Welcome to the Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries podcast. My name is Daniel Whitehead. I am the CEO of Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries. And during COVID-19, I'm also our podcast host. Uh, so the whole vision for this series is that we're talking to everyday people, friends of sanctuaries, friends of mine, just to hear how they're doing and to understand what life is like for them in the midst of COVID-19. And today we're joined by a really good friend of mine, uh, Marku Costomo. Uh, Marku is based uh, just south of Vancouver. Um, Marku is a, a Christian leader with over sort of 25 years experience. He was the uh, founding director together with his wife, Leah Costomo, of Arusha Canada. And uh, a few years back, he stepped out of that role just at the time when uh, Marku was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, type 1. And uh, subsequently, Marku has gone on to work for uh, a charity here called Himalayan Life, which works in Nepal, and he is their chief growth officer. Marku, it's wonderful to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. It's always lovely to talk with Marku because he's just a lovely man, and um, and I would be remiss of me not to say that to everyone. So, uh, Marku, why Thanks, don't you Daniel. start? Thanks, Daniel. You're so generous. <laughs> It's I, the I, truth. <laughs> just so, just so you guys all have a bit of a context, and Daniel, you have a bit of a context of where I'm right now. I'm, I'm in our den at Kingfisher Farm, and we live here with six other families, actually. And I'm looking over, and um, every once in a while, I'll be distracted because the goats are chomping on the grass, and they're super cute out there. Um, so we're uh, growing vegetables here, and four goats, forty chickens, and three ducks, along with few dogs and a cat wow very cool so uh, so maybe that's an interesting place to start marku because really i want to hear how you're doing and what's you know what is life like for you at the moment as as a as a husband and a parent and as someone who lives with bipolar disorder and as a as a leader but but maybe let's start with where you live so you live in like a kind of intentional community do you want to talk a bit about that yeah um so there's 28 of us including 14 adults and 14 kids or so. Um, and yeah, it's actually lovely. It's during this time of COVID, it's been such an amazing treat. I, I mean, we are physical distancing from each other, um, but it doesn't stop us from getting together for a Sunday afternoon gin and tonics in the orchard. Um, so what a delight eh, to have 14 of your friends gathered around the lawn. I mean, six feet apart. Uh, but uh, sharing a gin and tonic and chatting about the day uh, rather than being on Zoom, um, where most of my working life is on Zoom, um, which is better than not seeing people, but uh, but that, that virtual experience isn't quite the same as an incarnational lived experience being in front of people. Um, and I understand that um, just our, our brains are so wired for seeing people. And, and particularly we, hone in on uh, the facial expressions of people. Um, and it's just different live than it is virtual. And I think that's probably a challenge that we all share right now. Everything's so virtual during COVID that uh, we're missing out on that. But it's, it is a huge advantage and a privilege to share this journey with uh, uh, other families together um, and to have that sense of community. I mean, we don't we still have farm work days together, but we don't eat together um, once mm. a week like we have in the past. So there's 
definite changes to the, the community and we don't enter into each other's living spaces. So we're wow. taking COVID seriously, but, but there is sort of a built-in community. I mean, as you would in a village, that's a small village, kind of like in, mm. you know, England somewhere, 30 people in the village. Of course, that's what England is like. It's just people, <laughs> villages full of 30 people who drink gin and tonic in the orchard. That's, oh. that's <laughs> I wish. Yeah. But, um, but so, Marku, it's interesting. Your experience uh, living in community at the moment has been a tremendous gift in that you've you've got access to people, albeit socially distancing, but there are people that you can see pretty regularly. So those rhythms, though they've amended, they're kind of the same, which must be a tremendous gift uh, to you. I mean, I, I know you pretty well, so I know you're a people person. You love being with people. Um, that must be kind of handy for you. Uh, and I wonder, is that handy for you in managing your own lived experience of living with bipolar disorder? Yeah, it has been. I think the rhythms are really important for me. And so the rhythms of, um, I mean, it doesn't even start with people. Actually, it starts with, uh, with our dog. Uh, first thing I do in the morning is get up and walk our dog. Uh, and then I do that actually three times a day. So I'm, I'm getting in usually an hour and a half of walking a day. Um, so having that rhythm built in of physical activity and kind of I wouldn't say bounding out of bed, but at least uh, kind of groggily getting up and forcing myself uh, to, to, to have some sort of activity has been super grounding. Uh, the rhythms of family life, I think, uh, have been really grounding. Um, meals together. Um, and I'm, I'm cooking myself a lot more now, too. So that's a good thing. And my family thinks that's a good thing. I mean, not that the food is necessarily a good thing, but the, but I'm cooking is a good thing. Um, yeah, so I think those kind of rhythms that are built in, including then at the in a, at the community level where we have we still have our regular meetings. We tried a couple with Zoom, and then we just forget that. Let's just freeze and be in the orchard uh, or in the barn. Um, and actually do it face to face and make them shorter and a better experience. Um, so having those kind of rhythms and farm work days and yeah, once a week I, I collect, I, I care for the chickens and get collect the asparagus. Um, so mm. even though those kind of rhythms I'm finding are, are really good for me, um, but just getting me into my body. Um, I don't know how you're finding that, but this, in this season where we feeling fragmented uh mm. and i think this is a common experience that there's loss there's grief there's fragmentation and disconnection that maybe the the best thing that we can do uh to counter that is to to actually get into our bodies um mm. whether whether it's intentionally or not uh but uh how are you yeah. finding that yeah, a hundred percent agree with that. I, I've I've discovered this the wonderful gift of walking in the last month. So every morning, I'm just like you. Every morning I get up and I go for a walk for an hour, hour and a half. Um, I live on the edge of an incredible forest, which I've lived on the edge of it for like four years. But only in the last few weeks have I really appreciated just how incredible it is when you have these these trees that are just vast. Um, that I'm walking through and uh, we live by the sea so yeah this is so helpful for me just walking being in nature being in creation 
Uh, I can't emphasize enough how helpful it's been in, in this time for me personally. Mm. And here's like your, your local ecologist tip is if you get, I, you can kind of blend the virtual and the incarnational and get this um, uh, app called iNaturalist. So you can look at the, all the plants and bushes that you're walking by with your, oh. with your smartphone and, um, and then just participate with Adam in that first task that we were uh, created to do was name the plants and animals. So um, a friend of mine uh, yesterday was trying it uh, uh, on her dad, her, uh, this is Zoe who lives downstairs and um, came up with mammal, uh, but, uh, um, but for, uh, but, but all the little plants and things, you, they actually means that names it. So you can kind of integrate, wow. integrate that walking with something new uh, and, yeah, learning more about your neighbors. Very good. Thanks for the tip, everyone. I naturalist app. I will look that up. So, Marku, tell me your work with Himalayan life. You're obviously seeing, or you must know a lot of people that are experiencing different kinds of challenges right now in the midst of COVID nineteen. Maybe you could speak to that for a little bit. Yeah, I, I would say like holistically, like this. Um, from a global perspective, I mean, there's obviously a North American perspective, and there's a, a you know, a, a, a you know, a global global perspective, and then there's a, a developing world or a global South uh, perspective. Um, but I think they're still all real, and there's a felt loss uh, in grief. Um, I was listening to uh, a really great podcast by um, Dan Allender uh, yesterday and where he was talking about uh, COVID and trauma uh, and that we're actually all experiencing trauma, um, you know, and it's all real and felt, even though in Nepal, some of the, the day laborers um, that we know um, who, you know, they, they live hand to mouth. Uh, so without employment, they don't have, they don't have the cushion in their bank account and there is no government um, subsidies. So our, in our work with Himalayan Life, we haven't laid anybody off. We have about 160 staff in Nepal. Um, so between you know the 2,000 plus children that we're supporting um, in in our work directly, then there's all the families uh, of all our staff. So we're we're probably in a way carrying three to four thousand people through this season of COVID. We're Lockdown is intense uh, in Nepal. There are food shortages starting to happen in, in some of the bigger cities. The outlying um, villages out further, uh, they're, I mean, it's subsistence agriculture anyway, so they're sort of COVID proof. Um, so a large portion of the country is COVID proof. It's the larger urban centers where they'll run out of the Indian borders closed. So they're starting to run out of fuel uh, and they'll start to run out of some food supplies. Um, so, and then I think there's just the, um, you know, being idle, like not having the same kind of work focus uh, and um, the loss of that and the grief of that. And I think we, even though some of us are continuing to work here um, and even in Nepal, some of our team are, are continuing to work. Many of them are continuing to work I think this would be a common experience is that um, we're in, 
I think we're all experiencing something that you could say is in that liminal space. Um, and, you know, in the definition of a liminal space from, uh, that's an ecological term, actually, it's you're, you're moving from one ecosystem to the other. And on a map, it's, it's a sharp line. But in reality, on the ground, you're in this space between two different ecosystems. And it's, um, I mean, you could think about it going from ocean to the shore, or you could think about it going from a field to the forest. But that transitioning from one ecosystem to the other is disorienting because while you're in that liminal space, you don't know where you are. Yeah, are are we in like? Are we going back to what it was like? And and I think that's the things that we're struggling with vocationally right now is what do, what does the world look like post COVID nineteen or is there a post COVID nineteen or is this a new normal and this is in this kind of liminal space or you could say interim space uh, whatever language you want to use but I, I love that ecological term of being in liminal space and so we're thinking about that with uh, Himalayan life that we're we're in this liminal space it is disorienting and I think that's probably your experience it's experience for many of us not just um, people in Nepal but here too like what what will life look like after uh, I think it is changing the world uh, in some way, uh, and that there will be a new normal. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't quite know what that looks like. And I think in the midst of that, we're, our common experience is probably disorientation, as it is for just for anybody transitioning from one one space to the other space. It's just that transition liminal space is disorienting. It's tiring. It's uh, it's new. It's you know, we might get more uptight, we might be more anxious. So I think I'm just trying to weigh in myself, like what, what's happening in myself, like, um, as well. And I could speak more to that next, if you mm. like. Mm. Yeah, that'd be great. I think it's interesting. I didn't know that a liminality or, or liminal space was a geological term. I'd always heard it used in an anthropological context. Um, but, you know, there are there are rites of passage and transitions. Uh, so like Victor Turner was an anthropologist who studied um, majority world tribes and looked at rites of passage and would describe that these liminal experiences were uh, times in our life where it's like it could go one way or the other. These, these, these spaces where you just don't know, but somehow in those spaces, we're somehow more formed in a profound way. Like we, we have these times of deep learning and, and hearing you talk about, COVID-19 as a liminal space, which it undoubtedly is. I also think about your own journey with receiving a, a bipolar one diagnosis three years ago. And I kind of wonder, are, are you that liminal space? Are you still in that liminal space? What, what is life like learning how to, to live with, with this, mm. with this diagnosis? Yeah. I mean, it's a good, good question. I think I, I'm still on a, on a, a steep learning curve. Um, I'm probably not in what is that first initial liminal space to like transitioning from life before um, a diagnosis to life, you know, and living and owning and um, understanding uh, the space that I am. I mean, one of the challenges with uh, bipolar disorder is that um, that you're always there's always transitions. I mean, I mean, by definition, you're transitioning from um, you know, 
being hypomanic uh, potentially, or you know, up at least, and then uh, to a low or a depression. So, so there are always those transitions, and you're trying to correct that. I mean, for example, uh, I travel um, with work with Himalayan Life uh, twice a year to Nepal. And uh, coming back from Nepal is always a, a challenge, um, and, and and it's this is true for most people with with bipolar disorder is that uh, um, the circadian rhythm is so important to our stability. So uh, going to sleep at the same time every night and getting up at the same time the next morning and sleeping well um, and sleep hygiene is critical. But for any of us, I think international travel just disrupts that for a couple of weeks. So if you imagine how you feel with jet lag and what that does to you, just multiply it by 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 times. Uh, um, that's what someone with bipolar disorder experiences. And so I think for me, just even um, in this season, I just you know came back from Nepal directly into quarantine, uh, isolation, like strict isolation for two weeks um, even though I lived in community I was I was disengaged I wasn't eating with my family I wasn't um, so just living through this time uh, in the season I um, I would say that I'm probably I wouldn't I would call it liminal space but it's uh, but it's for a different reason I think I'm pressing into growth in a new way um, and so I would almost say I'm experiencing um, something analogous to uh, a dark night of the soul, uh, but but not not necessarily from in a spiritual sense. It's more from a psychological perspective of, of actually pressing in and and wanting growth. So I'm doing uh, a fair bit of therapy in this season. I've just thought, hey, this is this is. An amazing opportunity for growth and healing and pressing in um, pressing into relationships um, pressing into um, you know trauma that I've experienced even in childhood and just learning about what does healing look like uh, pressing into that kind of journey around bipolar and um, and just pressing into health around that from diet and exercise and um, prayer, contemplation, meditation, like all, all of that. So, um, yeah. And I, I found like just connecting with people. I'm, I am a bit of an extrovert, so I love to connect. But I also think that for all of us from a mental health perspective, connection is so important. Um, mm -hmm. That social connection and uh, friendships. And so talking to people on the phone or engaging with small groups uh, through Zoom or going for walks with a friend where we're physical distancing. Um, yeah, all of that, I think, is, has been, is continuing to be a really important part of my journey right now in this season. Mm. When you talk about your kind of holistic approach to wellness and intentionally, you know, you listed a whole bunch of things that you do, whether it be exercise, eating well, sleeping well, therapy, spiritual practices, and kind of listing listing them all. It's, it's something that strikes me that at Sanctuary, one of the things um, we advocate for, we tell people is as much as a mental health diagnosis is a can be a very traumatic and difficult time 
and um and it can become like a label like a stigmatizing label which we it should never be um but one thing that many people i know who live with uh, a mental health uh diagnosis or a mental illness is they're often people who know how to live well they're often people who've, who've done the work of going actually i need these rhythms in my life i need these things in my life and if i don't have them um i can't actually live out wellness and and whereas many other people who don't have a diagnosis so in the eyes of the world they could be seen as being more well actually don't understand what they need to be well and so they they, they don't live quite as, as full a life has that has that been true for you marku in, in terms of well, um the life you live now well i i <laughs> i wish i could say that I, that i've always been really disciplined um and this is uh i'm by nature i'm i'm by nature probably go more with the energy that i have in the moment and which means my tendencies are towards workaholism uh like i go full out uh so you know i'll tend more than my wife leah i'll tend to let's watch another episode you know like i'll, I'll kind of go with that like i'm not by nature like a super disciplined person so um so I, I, I haven't arrived at all. Uh, I am trying to be more disciplined um, for for myself and my wellness, um, but also for for the sake of my family, so that as they co-journey with me, um, that that I'm more stable, uh, not just for my sake, but for for my family's sake as well. Um, so, but I, I I see that. I mean, I'm I'm tasting that. I'm experiencing that now, and I have in other seasons as well uh but it's been it's been much more of a sort of um an up and down journey and that's that's part of what i'm i'm wanting this season to be is uh, to be really honest is, is is to grow in this uh wellness journey uh and to to create the rhythms that i can actually execute on this day in and day out um and those changes happen. I mean, I, it's common is, is that I've tried to make some big changes and those haven't been as successful as making small changes every day and turning the dial a little bit. Uh, it seems to work better for me at least. Mm. Yeah, I think that we'd all be a lot more at peace with the world if we understood that transformation normally happens in tiny incremental steps and not giant leaps. And, uh, as much as I, in my life, keep trying to take giant leaps in every area of my life, I'm realizing it's normally slow burn and uh, little steps. And that, and almost like that's how God's made it to be in some ways. Mm. That's It's kind of good for us that way. But mm. I feel like I push against that as well. Mm. One of the things that I, I just wanted to maybe, at least from my perspective, end with is um, is that our common experience right now um, I don't know how you're experiencing this, Daniel, but uh, that that there is an impact, uh, and whether we call it trauma or disor disorientation or lack of focus, um, but that's I think a common shared experience for many of us uh, in this season. Um, and so I just wanted to encourage you and encourage myself and others is that hey, th this is a common experience. Uh, mm -hmm. So. It, it would just be lovely for us to just reach out to each other and start from this shared experience, shared lived experience of what is it like 
for you to journey with COVID, through this season of COVID and to actually, maybe we don't have language, but to provide language for each other to say, it's okay to be not as focused or, you know, are you finding that you're having more conflict uh, with your spouse or friends, uh, loved ones during, through this time? Or I don't know what, I mean, we all have different responses or, um, you know, one friend said he's, he's tending to, to be more like a hermit right now. Uh, so oh, yeah, that feels, that feels like an appropriate response like that right now, but you would feel like that. Um, but it's great that we're chatting uh, now. Um, so, yeah, so I think um, phone calls, Zooms to each other, walks with each other, uh, and just hearing how each other are doing would be a real mm. gift. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Marku. Thank you for sharing, and thank you for your um, candor and honesty, and uh, thank you for the app recommendation. And... Um, yeah, just, you know, I often say to people, some of the bravest people I know are people who have lived through a mental uh, health diagnosis or a mental health challenge and who are working out how to do it. And uh, I just know the bravery you've exhibited over the last three years in doing that. So I just want to uh, acknowledge that and honor that in this in this moment, in this small way, just to say uh, uh, I really admire you and, and, and how you're walking the walk and, uh, yeah, the path that's been, been laid out before you. Thank you, Daniel, and thanks for all the good work um, that you are doing in your leadership and work with Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries. It's uh, such an encouragement to all of us on the mental wellness journey um, and and just to have the church engage, uh, seriously engage around that and for you to provide the tools that you're providing and uh, particularly the, the new new. Uh, resource on grief which is so appropriate to this season so thank you for that no not at all thanks marku so everyone uh, if this has been helpful for you please share it with someone um as marku said we have a new resource out on faith grief during covid19 available from sanctuarymentalhealth.org as well as our sanctuary course which is our eight session uh, mental health and faith course to help uh, faith communities have a conversation around faith and mental health so Download it all for free from our website, sanctuarymentalhealth.org, and uh, we'll see you again. God bless. Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries exists to equip the church to be a sanctuary for all people at all stages of their mental wellness journeys. May this podcast encourage you to create safe space for your own story and the stories of others, as well as create change in communities that stigmatize those suffering with mental health challenges. The Sanctuary Course is a small group resource designed to help initiate and guide conversations about mental health and faith. It is a starting point, creating a base of shared knowledge from which churches can explore the next steps. Perhaps most importantly, through the simple act of talking openly about mental health, the course helps churches begin to create safe spaces for people to share their mental health stories and receive support in community. Each theme in the course is explored from a psychological, social and theological perspective, and each session is accompanied by a compelling film focused on an individual story, a person of faith who has journeyed through mental health challenges. 
Interested in exploring the Sanctuary Course for use in your community? Learn more at SanctuaryCourse.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives 4.0 license. Don't change it or sell it, but please share it all you like.